The following audio is from Maple City Baptist Church in Chatham, Ontario. For more information about Maple City, please visit us online at maplecitybaptistchurch.com. Father, we thank you for the power of the cross. We thank you that as people who are worthy to be condemned, that we can glory this morning, that our names are written in the palm of your hand. That you love us, you gave yourself for us. And Lord, we will forever be eternally grateful. And Father, this morning now, as we look and remember today, I pray that we would again experience the power of your word, the presence of your spirit. And oh God, I pray that you would speak this morning to the hearts and lives of every individual in the room today. Lord, there are those who have known you for a long time, who have loved you and served you, and we thank you for them. There are others that are new to the faith, and they face their share of struggles. There are some today rejoicing, and others who are heavy and fearful. And Lord, there are some among us, I'm sure, that don't know you as Savior. And so, Lord, I pray that by your Spirit, you would speak to each and every heart, and that as the Word is spoken this morning, that we would be good soil, that you would open our eyes, that we would see afresh and that we would see Christ crucified. We would see clearly what he's done. And Lord, that we would respond in an appropriate way. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for worshiping with us this morning. You to find your way to two portions of scripture, to Isaiah chapter 52. We'll be there in just a moment. And then Luke chapter 22 this morning. Again, just a reminder this morning that, that this is our communion service. It's the highlight of our church. Every month we do this. We gather as believers who have trusted Christ as their Savior, who have put their faith in Him and Him alone, to come and remember what has been done. And so for some of you this morning, this may be different or unusual. Maybe even for some of our own folks, we'll do things a little differently today. But our prayer is that through all that's said and done this morning, that you would clearly see Christ and who he is. And if you don't know him today, that today would be the day of salvation, that you can know this Savior as your own. You can repent from your own thinking, your own way, your own works, your own religion, your own ideas, and turn completely to him and trust and rest in Christ alone. He is the answer. He's the only answer. And for those of us who know him, may we today see him afresh for the sacrifice that's been made. And may we comprehend the price that was paid this morning. And so we'll do two things this morning, by God's grace. Um, I would like for us as a congregation to read together. And the text that I've chosen is Isaiah 52, verses 13, all the way through Isaiah 53 to the end. And the reason I chose this text for this morning, I'm sure is clear to many of us, but like no other portion of Scripture, Isaiah 52 and 53 speak of the penal substitutionary atonement of Christ. It is clear. When you ask why Jesus died, what was the reason, what was the purpose, what was accomplished? Here in the text we see clearly that he who was perfect he who knew no sin became sin for us. 
and our sins and our iniquities he bore. And it actually pleased the Father to crush him as he took our place, as he experienced our penalty and suffered our guilt and shame. And then after that, I plan on reading the story from Luke chapter 22 all the way to the beginning of 24. And I'll explain that as we get there, what I hope to accomplish by that this morning. So if you join me in standing this morning together, for those who can stand and can read, we invite you to do that. But we'll read together Isaiah 52. We'll start at verse number 13. Again, remember, the purpose is not to race. The purpose is to read, to think, to try to understand what's being said here through the context. We'll pause when we ought to pause. And again, for some folks who are uncomfortable with reading, you don't have to. If you do not read this morning, listen. Please just listen and take in what's being said. So, together now, Isaiah chapter 52, verse 13. Behold, my servant shall deal prudently. He shall be exalted and extolled and be very high. As many as were astonished at me, his visage was marred. <laughs>
God bless the reading of his word. You may be seated. We come this morning to remember, and I want you to understand as we just read what we are remembering, that Christ paid the price. He died in our place. And so now what we'll do is we'll look at Luke chapter 22, the story, the account that the writer Luke gives us of the event. And let me just say this to you this morning. When I was studying this, I was amazed, simply amazed, at all of the characters mentioned in these two verses, chapters, actually three chapters. Um, and, and, and you see the whole gambit of people um, relating to Christ in some way. And, and we'll look at that as we work our way through. And so I want to encourage you as I read the text in just a moment that you would listen and see the characters that are presented and how they deal with Christ. And, and we'll just, in passing this morning, just talk about the disciples, but I will focus at the end on the disciples because you find them missing after a point. It's important that we understand it this morning. But as we work our way through, you will be introduced to the chief priests and scribes. And their attitude of Christ is one of sheer hatred because he's disrupted their way of life. And he, he's saying things now that are contrary to what they're doing and what they're saying. And, and so we see the hatred of the chief priests and scribes, the religious crowd, the rulers of the people, those who are held in esteem actually despise him. We talk about Judas and, and just the name for us, we think, oh yes, Judas, the betrayer, the one with a kiss. But I have to wonder as we go through these characters, as we see the response, certainly we will be able to identify with many of them even Judas. Because Judas wasn't interested in Christ's kingdom. He had his own idea of a kingdom. And how many times in our own lives we find ourselves promoting and striving, not for God's kingdom, but for our idea of our own kingdom. It's actually troubling. We then move from there to the disciples. And, and it's, it's a fascinating, as we read through and as you listen and hear from the disciples, Jesus has just told them, I am going to die, be buried, and rise again. And on the heels of that statement, there's a discussion about who is the greatest among them. Who's better than the other? Who deserves a seat at the table? Who should be first? And again, we can mock the disciples and say, how could you think that? But in our own lives, as God's disciples, how often do we jockey for position? How often do we want to be in the front, in the lead, to have our name known? It's not just a problem with them. It's a problem with us. And they go from the discussion of the greatest to then their declaration that they will die for him. And it wasn't just Peter. Peter boldly said, Lord, I will go to prison. I will die with you and for you. We know how that ends. And then we, we follow them through, and, and, and Christ is pouring out his heart and his soul in Gethsemane in agony to where he's sweating, as it were, great drops of blood. And you know what the disciples are doing? The three, they're sleeping. 
They're sleeping, oblivious, unaware of what's happening around them. And then we see in the garden this, this idea from at least Peter that he asked the Lord a question. Should we smite? Is this the time? Is the kingdom now? I've got my sword. Should we smite? And it's interesting, Peter never waits for an answer. How many times in our life we've asked the Lord something and we don't wait for an answer? We just jump ahead. And he does. He does just that. And then we see, of course, him blushing to speak his name. And aren't we prone to just deride Peter? And Peter, how could you blush? How could you deny? How could you be afraid to stand against a little girl, another servant, to where he curses and says, I never knew him? But certainly we can be honest in our own lives this morning when we have blushed to speak his name. When we have been embarrassed by our faith and our Savior. I'm telling you something this morning. As we go through these characters, it's, it's, it's shocking to me how many of their responses and, and, and reactions to Christ I find in my own heart and life. And it troubles me. It troubles me. We see the mockery and the beating by the council of the Sanhedrin. And it's shameful. We see Pilate vacillating be- between two decisions playing politics, trying to make the right thing, trying to get out of actually making a decision and putting in someone else's court like Herod's. And here is Herod, who has already silenced the voice of God through John the Baptist, and now he's excited because Christ is brought before him. And you know what he's excited about? He wants to see a magic trick, hoping that some sign would be shown. We'll then, we'll then be introduced to Barabbas, who is guilty. He deserves to die, but he goes free. It's ironic, actually. Barabbas, the name of the son of a father, goes free. And the son of the father, Jesus, does not. And then there's Simon, who is compelled to carry the cross. And and we believe that the same Simon who had sons, Rufus and Alexander, who came to Christ, but he serves Jesus. And then, of all people, and I say this understanding first century culture, the women. The women. They don't run. They, they don't flee. They're brave. They're strong. They're courageous. They're in it until the end. They absorb the pain. They absorb all of it as they watch the Lord. They weep over him. And they're there. There's certainly a lesson there for us men this morning. The strength of a woman. And then the criminals. One who rails Christ and the other who realizes who he is. The centurion who sits and says, this certainly was an innocent man. And then Joseph of Arimathea, who identifies with Christ, was in on the council, disagreed with the council, He had a name. He had a reputation. 
He was a man of means, and yet he identifies clearly with Jesus Christ. And so this is where we're going this morning. And all I ask of you is this, to listen to the story, to think about the characters, to view their responses. And don't worry about the text. I know as I read, I will veer away from certain words, and I'll just read it as I read it. Don't worry about that. I want you to think about what's happening in the story. I want you to feel the weight of these responses to Christ. And I want us to be honest this morning. As we come to an end and we re-examine the disciples in light of all of this, I pray that it gives us great hope and encouragement at what Christ has done. So with that said this morning, let us begin at Luke chapter 22, starting at verse number 1. Now the feast of unleavened bread drew nigh, which is called the Passover. And the chief priests and scribes sought how they might kill him, for they feared the people. Then entered Satan into Judas Iscariot, being of the number of the twelve, and he went his way and communed with the chief priests and captains how he might betray him unto them. And they were glad and coveted to give him money. And he promised and sought opportunity to betray him unto them in the absence of the multitude. Then came the day of unleavened bread, when the Passover must be killed. And he sent Peter and John, saying, Go and prepare us the Passover, that we may eat. And they said unto him, Where wilt thou that we prepare? And he said unto them, Behold, when you are entered into the city, there shall a man meet you, bearing a pitcher of water. Follow him into the house where he enters in. And he shall say unto the good men of the house, The master says unto thee, Where is the guest chamber, and where shall he eat the Passover with my disciples? And he shall show you a large upper room furnished. There make ready. And they went and found as he had said unto them, and they made ready the Passover. And when the hour was come, he sat down, and the twelve apostles with him. And he said unto them, With desire, I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say unto you, I will not any more eat thereof until it be fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took the cup and gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it among yourselves. For I say unto you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God shall come. And he took the bread and gave thanks and break it and gave it unto them, saying, This is my body which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. Likewise also the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood which is shed for you. But behold, the hand of him that betrays me is with me on the table. And truly the Son of Man goeth as it was determined, but woe unto that man by whom he is betrayed. They began to inquire among themselves which of them it was that should do this thing. And there was also a strife among them. Which of them should be accounted the greatest? And he said unto them, The kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, and they that exercise authority upon them are called benefactors. But you shall not be so. But he that is greatest among you, let him be as the younger, and he that is chief, as he that does serve. For whether is greater, he that sits at meat, or he that serves, is not he that sits at meat, but I am among you as he that serves. 
Ye are they which have continued with me in my temptations. And I appoint unto you a kingdom, as my Father hath appointed unto me, that ye may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom, and sit on the thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan has desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you, that your faith fail not. And when you are converted, strengthen your brothers. And he said unto him, Lord, I am ready to go with thee both into prison and to death. He said, I tell you, Peter, the cock shall not crow this day before thou hast denied me thrice, that you even know me. And he said to them, when I sent you without purse and script and shoes, latch ye nothing? And they said, nothing. Then said he unto them, but now, he that hath a purse, let him take it. And likewise his script, and he that hath no sword, let him sell his garment and buy one. For I say unto you, that this is that which is written, must be accomplished in me. And he was reckoned among the transgressors, for the things concerning me have an end. And they said, Lord, behold, here are two swords. And he said unto them, it is enough. And he came out and went, as he was wont, to the Mount of Olives. And his disciples also followed him. And when he was at the place, he said unto them, Pray that you enter not into temptation. And he was withdrawn from them about a stone's cast and kneeled down and prayed, saying, Father, if you're willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And there appeared an angel unto him from heaven, strengthening him. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was, as it were, great drops of blood falling down to the ground. And when he rose up from prayer and was come to his disciples, he found them sleeping for sorrow. And said unto them, Why sleep ye? Rise and pray, lest you enter into temptation. And while he yet spake, behold, a multitude, and he that was called Judas, one of the twelve, went before them and drew near unto Jesus to kiss him. But Jesus said unto him, Judas, betrayest thou the Son of Man with a kiss? When they which were about him saw what would follow, they said unto him, Lord, shall we smite with the sword? And one of them smote the servant of the high priest and cut off his right ear. And Jesus answered and said, Suffer it thus far. And he touched his ear and healed him. Then Jesus said unto the chief priests and captains of the temple and the elders, which were come to him, But you come out as against the thief with swords and staves. When I was daily with you in the temple, you stretched forth no hands against me, but this is your hour and the power of darkness. Then took they him and led him and brought him into the high priest's house. And Peter followed afar off. And when they had kindled the fire in the midst of the hall and were sat down together, Peter sat down among them. But a certain maid beheld him as he sat by the fire and earnestly looked upon him and said, This man was also with him. And he denied him, saying, Woman, I don't know him. And after a little while, another saw him and said, You also are one of them. And Peter said, Man, I am not. And about the space of one hour after another confidently affirmed, saying, Of a truth, this fellow also is with him. He's a Galilean. And Peter said, Man, 
I know not what thou sayest. And immediately, while he yet spake, the cock crew. And the Lord turned and looked upon Peter. Peter remembered the word of the Lord, how he had said unto him before the cock crow, you will deny me thrice. And Peter went out and wept bitterly. And the men that held Jesus mocked him and smote him. When they had blindfolded him, they struck him on the face and asked him, saying, Prophesy, who is it that smote thee? And many other things blasphemously spake they against him. And as soon as it was day, the elders of the people and the chief priests and the scribes came together and led him into their council, saying, Are you the Christ? Tell us. He said to them, If I tell you, you will not believe. And if I also ask you, you will not answer me, nor let me go. Hereafter shall the Son of Man sit on the right hand of power of God. Then said they all, Are you then the Son of God? And he said unto them, You say that I am. And they said, What need we any further witnesses? For we ourselves have heard of his own mouth. And the whole multitude of them arose and led him unto Pilate. And they began to accuse him, saying, We found this fellow perverting the nation and forbidding to give tribute to Caesar, saying that he himself is Christ, a king. Pilate asked him, saying, Are you the king of the Jews? And he answered him, said, Thou sayest it. Then said Pilate to the chief priests and the people, I find no fault in this man. And they were the more fierce, saying, He stirs up the people, teaching throughout all Jewry, beginning from Galilee to this place. When Pilate heard of Galilee, he asked whether the man were a Galilean. And as soon as he knew that he belonged unto Herod's jurisdiction, he sent him to Herod, who himself also was at Jerusalem at that time. And when Herod saw Jesus, he was exceeding glad, for he was desirous to see him of a long season, because he had heard many things of him, and he hoped to have seen some miracle done by him. When he questioned with him in many words, but he answered him nothing. The chief priests and scribes stood and vehemently accused him. And Herod, with his men of war, set him at naught and mocked him and arrayed him in a gorgeous robe and sent him again to Pilate. And that same day, Pilate and Herod were made friends together, for before they were at enmity between themselves. And Pilate, when he had called together the chief priests and the rulers of the people, said unto them, You have brought this man unto me as one that perverts the people. And behold, I have examined him before you and found no fault in this man touching those things whereof you accuse him. No, nor yet Herod, for I sent you to him, and lo, nothing worth death is done unto him. I will therefore chastise him and release him. For of a necessity he must release one of them at the feast. And they cried out all at once, saying, Away with this man! Release unto us Barabbas, who, for a certain sedition made in the city, and for murder, was cast into prison. Pilate, therefore, willing to release Jesus, spake again to them. But they cried out, saying, Crucify him! Crucify him! And he said unto them the third time, Why? What evil has he done? I have found no cause of death in him. I will therefore chastise him and let him go. And they were instant with loud voices, requiring that he might be crucified. And the voices of them and of the chief priest prevailed. And Pilate gave sentence that it should be as they required. And he released unto them him 
that for sedition and murder was cast into prison, whom they desired, but he delivered Jesus to their will. As they led him away, they laid hold upon one Simon, a Cyrenian, coming out of the country, and on him they laid the cross that he might bear it after Jesus. And there followed him a great company of people and of women, which also bewailed and lamented him. But Jesus turned on them, saying, Daughters of Jerusalem, weep not for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. For behold, the days are coming in which they shall say, Blessed are the barren, and the wombs that never bear, and the paps which never gave suck. Then shall they begin to say to the mountains, Fall on us, and to the hills cover us. For if they do these things in a green tree, what shall be done in the dry? And there were also two other malefactors led with him to be put to death. When they were come to the place, which is called Calvary, there they crucified him. And the malefactors, one on the right hand and the other on the left. Then said Jesus, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they parted his garments and cast lots. And the people stood beholding, and the rulers also with them derided him, saying, He saved others, let him save himself, if he's Christ, the chosen of God. And the soldiers also mocked him, coming to him and offering him vinegar, and saying, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. And the superscription also was written over him in letters of Greek and Latin and Hebrew. This is the king of the Jews. And one of the malefactors which were hanged railed on him, saying, If you be the Christ, save thyself and us. But the other answering rebuked him, saying, Do you not fear God, seeing you are in the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the due rewards of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. And he said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said unto him, Truly I say to you, Today you will be with me in paradise. And it was about the sixth hour. And there was darkness over all the earth until the ninth hour. And the sun was darkened and the veil of the temple was rent in the midst. And when Jesus had cried with a loud voice, he said, Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. And having said thus, he gave up the ghost. Now when the centurion saw what was done, he glorified God, saying, Certainly, this was a righteous man. And all the people that came together to that site, beholding the things which were done, smote their breast and returned. And all his acquaintance and the women that followed him from Galilee stood afar off, beholding these things. And behold, there was a just man named Joseph, a counselor, and he was a good man and just, and the same was, had not consented to the council, Indeed of them, he was of Arimathea, a city of the Jews, who also himself waited for the kingdom of God. This man went into Pilate and begged the body of Jesus. And he took it down and wrapped it in linen and laid it in a sepulcher that was hewn in stone, where never man before was laid. And that day was a preparation, and the Sabbath drew on. And the women also, which came with him from Galilee, followed after. And behold, the sepulcher and how his body was laid, and they returned and prepared spices and ointments, and rested the Sabbath day according to the commandment. Amazed at all of the responses 
But the truth is, I'm more amazed at the disciples' responses. And in the end, they're gone. We know John was somewhere near the cross. He stayed. But the others were gone. And as you get to the end of the story, it's tragic that those who knew Christ, who watched his life, who followed, who saw the miracles, who witnessed all of it, who lived with him three and a half years, seeing him, pledging their life, they're gone. They're just gone. And yet, we know that that's not the end of the story. Because later, we will see these very men standing up and proclaiming that Jesus Christ is Lord. And every one of these men, save one, will seal their testimony with their own blood. So what happened? What would change these men who were AWOL, who were missing in the action, who blushed to speak his name, who were embarrassed of Christ, who, who denied him verbally and denied him in their actions by leaving? What could change these men? And we find it in Luke 24. Now upon the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they came unto the sepulcher, bringing the spices which they had prepared and certain others with them. And they found the stone rolled away from the sepulcher. And they entered in and found not the body of the Lord Jesus. And it came to pass, as they were much perplexed thereabout, behold, two men stood by them in shining garments, and as they were afraid and bowed down their faces to the earth, they said to them, Why seek you the living among the dead? He is not here, but he's risen. Remember how he spake unto you when he was in Galilee, saying, The Son of Man must be delivered unto the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and the third day he will rise again. What can change a man? What can change a woman who saw their dreams dash before their faces, who fled, who were embarrassed, who were ashamed, who were fearful of their own lives? The only thing that can change that is a risen Christ. Our God this morning is alive. He's alive and well. And for those of us who know Him, we come this morning to glory that even in our failures, certainly, certainly, we can relate to these men. And even in our failures, even in our weakness, even in our denying, we have a Savior who's alive and well, who offers grace and forgiveness and redemption and reconciliation over and over and over and over and over again. And it's mind-blowing. This is the grace of our living Lord. And so this morning, may we come as broken men and women. And we're all broken. We're all broken. Facade or not, we're broken. But we come to one who mends broken things. And may we glory this morning as we gather around his table knowing there is coming a day when the Lord himself will serve us. And we will be his bride. He will be our God. And we will be his people. And we long for that day. And for those of you this morning 
who don't know this Savior. Listen to me. This is not a fairy tale. This is not, you made this up. Christ never existed. Listen, the facts are in. Christ is a historical figure. The facts are in. The tomb was empty, verified by the disciples and his enemies. The facts are in. The question is, what happened? I'll tell you what happened. He arose. He arose. That is the logical explanation of our Savior. And he's alive today. And for all those who repent and believe, you can know the Savior. Quit trying to figure your life out on your own. Quit going through all the mistakes you're making. Quit. Just stop. Christ died for your sins, according to Scripture. And for those who repent and call upon his name, the Bible tells us they shall be saved. Listen, to be saved is a glorious truth. It's a glorious word. Um, Or to be saved from being lost or to be rescued from something. We understand that. And Christ rescues us from our sins and from ourselves. And so if you don't know him today, may this be the day that as you see the elements, as you understand the body and blood of Christ, that it was broken, it was beaten, it was spit upon, he was mocked, he was pierced for your sins and for my sins. He took your place. And now heaven is open for all those who in humility come and repent and receive him. And that's our prayer this morning, if you don't know him. Don't play games with this. It's appointed unto men once to die, and after this, the judgment. There is no second chance. There is no purgatory. There is no place you're going to wait. There is heaven. There is hell. There is hope. There is damnation. There is Christ and nothing else. Nothing else. And so we gladly and loudly proclaim the beauty of Jesus. And may we glory in him this morning. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your kindness to us today. Oh, Lord, as we think and we hear the story again from Luke, how we can certainly place ourselves right in the midst of your disciples. The different reactions we see in this text, we know that in our hearts we've done many of the same things. And Lord, this morning we thank you for your grace, we thank you for your kindness, and we thank you for your forgiveness that we can come afresh and new at this table this morning and glory in your love and your mercy and grace for your people. And so God, help us to remember, to vividly see what was done, and to fill our hearts with your love and gratitude this morning. May we draw close to you and one another. In Jesus' name, amen.